Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is where we talk to all of the high performers out there. It's the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different niches, different backgrounds, doing really cool things in their space. And we take some of those chips and tricks and and actions, and hopefully you can apply them to your lives as well. And I I know today's guest, um, I've been following uh, him for a while personally, so I I know his stuff is great. Um, You're going to take a lot away from today. couple of quick things just before we jump into that. Obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we have uh, a great connection with Impact Magazine. Um, They're a a great resource for fitness, health, um, nutrition, all of those things. And uh, currently, they actually have um, an episode or a a magazine that um, talks to top fitness instructors. So definitely take a look at that. There's some really cool backstories there. Um, You can find them on Instagram and all those platforms, or just go to www impactmagazine.ca and uh, and check it out. Um, the other thing as well is uh, Epitome HR is a boutique HR consulting company. And I know a lot of places right now are going through a lot of uh, challenges that they wouldn't normally have done. And uh, um, maybe they're looking at either ramping up or making uh, changes in, in how they move forward with their employees. Uh, so definitely take a look at uh, what they have to provide. I know they have an HR assessment on the uh, website. So, so take a look at that and, and see uh, how it might fit, uh, just go to www.epitomehr.com and, uh, and check them out and see if they're good for you, uh, your business or, or uh, your needs. Um, and so uh, it, this is a real pleasure for me to be able to uh, introduce our, our uh, guest for today because I've been following his stuff for a while. Um, Michael Zapersky is the CEO of Consulting Success. He has advised organizations like the Financial Times, Dow Jones, RBC, Panasonic. Um, His main focus now is helping consultants from around the world add six or seven figures to their annual revenues, which is awesome. And we'll hear lots of great things that we can translate to people. Um, He's considered one of the world's top authorities on growing a consulting business. And his work has been featured in Forbes, um, Entrepreneur Magazine, and he is the author of five books, from what I understand. Now, I know he also has a new one coming out, so we'll talk about that as well. Um, but maybe, um, Michael, as a starting point, if we can, um, is that you, know, you talk about growing a business, and, and but at the same time, I think you're one of those great examples of somebody who's done a lot of growth yourself from a business standpoint and, and teaches how to do it and not just talking about it. So maybe tell us a little bit about kind of how you got here and, and how that, um, you know, has translated into what you're doing for other people now. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the whole fitness thing that you mentioned definitely resonates because um, when I was young, you know, in elementary school or even kindergarten, yeah. um, sports was where I channeled all of my, my energy. So just to back up a little bit, I was born in Toronto um, and at two years of age, my parents took my sister and I and moved us over to Israel. Uh, and so I grew up in Israel uh, for about four and a half years, came back to Canada, but this time to Vancouver, didn't know anyone, um, you know, no friends, didn't speak English. And so I really felt like an outsider. And so my way to try and kind of fit in was to, uh, to prove that, that I could, you know, excel in, in an area. And that was sports. I was a bit of a bigger kid at that time. And so I really put all of my energy from elementary school to about halfway through high school was, you know, every sport that you could imagine, whether it was soccer, baseball, rugby, track and field, which I was very competitive in, uh, and a whole host of, of other things. So that kind of mentality of, of being an athlete, athlete of always competing uh, has certainly played a role in how I view business, uh, not from an adversarial perspective, but more about how do you, you know, 
anything I, I set my mind to, or I believe anything that you know anyone sets their mind to, they can accomplish. Um, so that kind of you know we're now taking me into high school age, uh, and midway through high school, so about grade ten, uh, uh, there was something inside of me that shifted, and I really started to move away from playing sports. Although I've always still been active and going to the gym and, and exercising for me even till to, even today, that's yeah. very important. Uh, but I started to become a lot more interested in commerce and business and um, you know kind of the world. Uh, and so when I uh, shifted from or, or left high school, so finished high school and went into college, uh, my cousin Sam and I started our first business together, which was a web design and development company. So kind of early days uh, of, uh, of websites, flash websites, or you know things of that nature. Uh, and Sam, you know, his background was more around design, uh, and mine was a lot more just kind of learning interacting, how to interact with clients, communications, uh, marketing. And so that was our first foray into the consulting world. Fast forward from there, uh, we then open up a, a brand design consultancy where we started to work with companies a lot more on visual uh, and also kind of marketing materials. Uh, and I ended up going over to Japan and opening up the branch office for our business over there. And so that's where I had an opportunity to consult and advise and work with some very large organizations. And so at that time, I was a young, you know, 20 something uh, kid kind of, you know, learning yeah. But I was, I was really pushing myself and I was, you know, in the environment was kind of the boardrooms of, of massive Japanese organizations. Um, and everyone around me was, you know, in their 50s or 60s, in some cases their 70s, and I was in my 20s. Uh, but I learned a lot from, from that experience. You know, I learned uh, how to deal with, with challenging situations and there was many of those. But I also learned the power of building relationships. And that's one thing that we've always been big on, you know, our uh, previous company, the one that I went to Japan, opened up the branch office. It was called Kanke Culture. And Kanke is the Japanese word for relationship. Uh, and so we ran that business for many years. When I came back then to North America, I started another consulting business, uh, this time called Relogy Marketing. Relogy standing for relationship strategy. Uh, and this is where we did a lot of consulting uh, with professional services firms. So insurance, uh, investment, other consulting firms, helping them to generate leads. And so around this time, you know, both Sam and I, we've, we've always built businesses together. We've sold a couple of businesses together, um, but we, we kind of went our different ways. And yeah. uh, we were at a family barbecue one summer and we said, hey, you know, it's been a while since we've, we've done something together. Let's do something again. Let's, but this time, like, let's do it online because we've both always valued travel. And the idea of being, you know, being able to work and live anywhere in the world has always appealed to us. Uh, so, you know, we've always spent time in Japan and, you know, taking the kids there and, and so forth. It's just been important to us even from before I was married to be able to have that kind of freedom and flexibility. And so we decided to start what today is consultingsuccess.com. Uh, but it started off, Jamie, as just a place to share our stories from the trenches. You know, you could say like from the yeah. front lines what was working and what wasn't. Uh, There's no real monetization plan behind it. We just started putting out articles and content to help people to share what we were learning and what we were experiencing. And hopefully with the goal of helping people to avoid the mistakes that we had made and to really achieve success faster. And so what we saw pretty quickly is a community building up around that website and our audience and the community saying, hey guys, like this is great. You know, you're putting out lots of articles, but do you have a course? that can help us to become a successful consultant. We said, no, we don't have that, but we'll build it. So we created and developed a course, um, which we now had several thousand people you know, go through. Uh, then many of those customers said, you know, the course has helped me. I've, I've made my first hundred thousand dollars or I feel more confident, uh, but is there a way that I can like work with you guys? Do you provide some, some coaching? We said, no, we don't have that. But we then went ahead and established a coaching program. And so now we've had over 500 consultants go through our, our Claire coaching program. 
Uh, and we just shifted you know, and focused more and more on uh, how can we best serve the consulting community around the world, regardless of their industry. You know, our, our audience, our community is, is people or are people who are experts in their area. They're very good at what they do so that they don't have a problem with how to deliver their expertise or how to get their clients results. What they're most often facing is how do they take that expertise and experience they have, whether it's coming from a nonprofit or the corporate world and starting their own business or even being in business sometime, uh, but, but not really being able to grow past a certain level is, is bringing that marketing, that strategy and that business side. So we developed the consulting success framework to really help consultants have a very consistent and more predictable and strategic way to, to build a consulting business and create what is going to be most meaningful for them in terms of how they define success. Well, and I love the talk about the um, building community and how that has actually really kind of exponentially grown your own business. How does that factor into um, what you teach other people as you go through? Like, how important is building that community around your brand or around your product uh, for for anybody, consultant or an entrepreneur or whoever is is kind of in that uh, that space? Yeah, I mean, I think I think. It- it's extremely important and it's becoming even more important, you know, going through COVID times, uh, I think people are, are really uh, eager for more connection uh, because you haven't had the same level of, of intimacy or connection that you would have may have had previously by going to events. Uh, and the, the, you know, the part of having a community uh, is really what I think will actually create a lot more value for people in the future. So rather than the old approach of having to go out and sell, while that is still important, when you can actually uh, foster or cultivate a community around you of people who view you as a leader, um, you have you have a kind of a you know a base. You have a, a group uh, that can that will always want to do business with you. They'll always want to engage with you because you are you are the leader. And so uh, the new book that I'm uh, you know going to be launching here around April six or so is called The Future of Consulting. And one of the big so kind of a sneak peek into Jamie, but one of the big kind of insights that came from some different interviews with other successful consultants and doing research around this is that community will actually become uh, a a great source of advantage for many professionals. Uh, And that's, again, because the, you know, the the barrier to entry to enter into consulting or in many different types of businesses is going down, right? It's easier for people to start businesses, easier for them to create websites, easier for them to, you know, call themselves a consultant or whatever it might be. Yeah. So how do you really differentiate yourself? Well, one of the greatest ways to do that is to, to be seen as that true trust advisor, that expert, that, that thought leader, right? That authority. Uh, and if you build a community that, that people want to be part of because you are providing a lot of value to them, uh, that's a great way to differentiate yourself from the masses and therefore create a long-term sustaining advantage. And the other thing that we've seen, the reason why community is, is so powerful is because when you have something like a COVID, right? I mean, mm-hmm. COVID was not the first pandemic um, and, uh, you know, it caused an economic challenge for, for a period of time. We also had many economic challenges in the past and I'm sure that we're going to have another pandemic and we'll also have another economic, you know, period of challenge in the future as well. So by having a community, uh, it creates a lot more stability in your business because you now already have a pool of people who know you, like you and trust you that you can turn to Whereas if you didn't have that and then something happens, you know, where do you go? And then you have to work really hard to try and build relationships that you haven't created in the past. But if you already put in that work now and plant the seeds now, you'll be in a much better position going forward. 
Well, it's, it's like the, um, the ability to shift or, you know, everybody talked about pivoting and all those things that I would assume it's much easier if you already have that community and all you're doing is figuring out how do you, how do you change how you message that community or maybe how you connect with them is a little different, but it's the same community that you're connecting with. 100%. I mean, back in April 2020, um, I put out a book called Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty. And, you know, we got it out in about three weeks, four weeks from, from concept to, to being out there in the world. And we gave it away for free because we just wanted to help. We saw so many people at that time not knowing what to do. Like they're, you know, a deer kind of you know, stuck in, in, a, in a car's headlights, just frozen. Uh, and so in that book, we interviewed a bunch of successful consultants. And, and that was kind of one of the, the interesting themes is that every consultant that I interviewed and even just looking at our, our kind of community and of clients, uh, what I saw consistently was those who had already established communities or those who had already established audiences. Uh, so they had an email list or they had some kind of, you know, um, there's, there's, an, you know, there's relationships that were already captive. It wasn't something that they, you know, they weren't starting from scratch. They'd already um, planted those seeds in advance. Their business may have hit a bit of a bump, but, but they all continue to grow. And the vast majority of them actually grew beyond. And so if, you, if I checked in with each one of them today, the vast majority would say our business is actually in a better place today than it was back then. Yeah. Right. So it's being able to say that is, you know, is I think pretty powerful. And the reason if we look at, you know, what's the cause and effect, like what was the cause of that? Well, the cause was that they actually had put in the, the energy, the effort and the focus to create a community, to create an audience, which allowed them to essentially, even though there may have been a, a bump, where things, you know, speaking engagements got canceled, conferences got canceled, you know, clients paused or dropped off or whatever it might be. It didn't take them that long to get back up to speed because they had already that, that kind of, you know, that captive pool of potential uh, buyers that they could reach out to and restart conversations or just support them. And so when the tide started to change or even before it did in a positive way, right, they were already benefiting from that momentum. And we certainly were fortunate to see that in our business as well. Well, and you could see a lot of um, mutual engagement at that point too, because everybody was going through the same thing. And if you already had that connection, you also would have um, been able to, I think, garner some knowledge from them to understand what best way to be able to pivot your business or change your business um, just because you were, it was kind of a mutual aid thing happening at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that, um, that I think people who've um, followed your work or will be after this as well um, may see that you have, um, you have built kind of multiple streams in your own business and, and talk to other people about that. Some thoughts around that, it, it, you know, if you're, you're somebody either early in process or maybe you're a place that has right now during COVID because you've had the yeah. ability, done a whole bunch of different things, um, but finding maybe they're not working. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, you know, I remember um, many years ago, I was uh, with my wife uh, before we had kids uh, and we were chatting one day and at that point I had three active businesses that were, you know, all, all running. And she said to me, like, Michael, why do you have three businesses? Like, what, you know, what are you doing? Uh, and I said, well, no, like, I'm just diversifying. I'm, you know, she's like, why don't you just focus on, on the one that's like working the best? And, and I was just thinking, I was, you know, like, damn, you're smart. Like, that's just, that makes so much sense. Um, and I think I was telling myself, you know, at the early stage, it's like, yeah, having more is better. And somehow, you know, I'm going to create this empire. Uh, but I think if you're earlier stage in your business, diversification can actually hurt you. Uh, and not diversification of clients. I mean, diversification of clients is actually very, very smart. And you should, you should very much work towards that. If you, you know, whatever business you're in, if you rely too much on, on one or two or, you know, a small group of clients, you might be in big trouble. Uh, so it is important to diversify. But I'm talking about where you put your focus. So back to, you know, the different streams of income or different streams of, uh, of activity. If you're earlier stage kind of in your journey, uh, I think it's really important 
that you work towards mastery. You work towards real high levels of, of competence and, um, you know, and kind of more predictable and consistent execution so that you're able to move, move something forward. Try and do too many things at once. If you say, oh, I'm going to create an online course. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do a bunch of webinars. I'm going to get my marketing going. I'm going to hire a bunch of people. The reality is that you're, you're most likely not going to get any of those things done because you'll only be able to move the needle a little bit in each. And even if you do start getting some of them done, you probably won't have gotten them done, you know, complete them very well uh, because you haven't put focus and attention into anyone. And so when someone is earlier stage and they don't have a, a good team around them, and even if they do, you know, I'm a big fan of getting clear on like, what are the priorities? What, what's going to really move the needle the most? And for people who are in professional services uh, or providing any kind of, you know, service-based business, uh, I think it's, it's really important that you ask yourself, what is the one step that I can take that is going to get me in kind of the most direct path to making a sale? And if that is, let's say, an advisory related business, most often that's going to be having a conversation. So very often you'll find people who uh, are looking at the latest technology or tool and they think somehow it's going to magically, you know, social media stuff or whatever, that's going to somehow help them to really grow their business. And the reality is those things might. But if you know that the way that you generate business is by having a conversation with somebody, why not just focus on having more conversations with people? And you can achieve that very quickly, right? By picking up the phone or by sending a couple of emails or by using LinkedIn or by, you know, reaching out to your network and asking for referrals and introductions. And so I always like to look at what is the low hanging fruit? Where can you see the greatest impact in your business in the most kind of, you know, direct way uh, and get that moving. And once you build that up, once that, that one channel or, or things are in a good place, then you look at the next. And you look at how do I increase my capacity? And does that mean that I need to bring on a new team member or do I need to have a better you know, system or, or process place? And do you have SOPs or, you know, you want to get very clear on what is actually going to help your business most, you know, what's going to get you closer to your ultimate goal, focus on that. And once that's moving forward, you can add on, right? So as an example, let's say you run some sort of a coaching program, get that dialed in, make sure that's working really well for you before you start jumping off and, and creating, you know, a course. I hear this a lot with people these days who say, yeah, I just want to like passive income. You know, I just want to have something that can sell while I'm sleeping. Yeah. And I, I often say to them, well, fantastic. Like everyone wants that. Um, you know, you're going to sell that for, it? oh, I'll probably sell it for like a hundred dollars or, or maybe $400. Okay. And you know, um, what's your, your typical value per client you bring on right now when you're coaching or, or whatever. Oh, it's 10,000 or 50,000 or whatever. Okay. Well, yeah. how many of your products do you need to sell then to equal one, you know, one set, one sale of your current, like main focus? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, I would need a hundred or I need 50 or, well, do you think it's easy to make one sale or make 50 or a hundred sales? And so oftentimes what people think about, um, Jamie, is they get excited about the idea, uh, you know, or the potential, but they yeah. don't necessarily think through how hard it's going to be or how much work it's going to take to get something. And so, what I kind of observe quite often is people who shift focus away from something that's already working, thinking yeah. that they should just add something else on where they could actually just get a much better overall result by continuing to improve what, what's already working for them. Um, but once that's really working well and you have more capacity, you have team or you have the ability to now go out and, and start something new that can, you know, again, help you to diversify or to build a new income stream. I think that's very, very smart, but I want to caution people not to try and, you know, bite off more than they can chew and to try and do too many things at once. Well, and, and related to that, then there are a lot of um, people in, uh, in consulting or in entrepreneurship that um, have started building and or have built over a period of time, and they've built upon their expertise, because that's what that's what you get from, you know, consulting, especially when they start out, oftentimes, there's somebody who has a, a niche skill or a niche expertise. Um, 
and uh, there comes a point where people want to try to make that move from, um, you know, working on kind of building the business and not being the one that, you know, business is totally reliant on the one individual or a couple of individuals. Um, thoughts around that and, and what's, what's a good time to start to, to think that way or is there a good time to do that? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, the first thing I would say is that there's no one way to do things, right? You know, sometimes you'll see people on, online that will say like, oh yeah, this is the best model or the, the only way to do something. And I'm not a big believer in that. I think everyone has different goals in a different situation. So for some people, they, they truly want to just be, you know, an independent solo consultant or whatever it is that they're doing. And that's all fine. But uh, if you have the desire to make a greater impact, if you have the desire to, uh, to reach more people, if you have desire to, to continue to grow, then you can't do it all by yourself. Uh, and I, I see this a lot, you know, with clients who will come from the employee world, you know, so let's say they're uh, an executive in some organization, uh, for profit or nonprofit, whatever it might be. And then they get into consulting because they're just tired of all the politics, managing people, and like, they just want to do their own thing, right? They want to realize their potential and do great work with great clients. Yeah. Fantastic. They start off that way, but, and they'll often resist, you know, adding on an assistant or team members. Like, they just want to do it themselves. But what I, what I've observed over the years is that quite often, as their business starts to pick up and they're seeing that they, that they are being successful, right? Even to a level beyond what they initially expected. And oftentimes that can happen a lot faster when they're doing the right things. They start to, to actually see that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm now working a lot more. Uh, I'm making great money, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm booked up. I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And so what they start to realize is that time is actually the greatest asset, right? It's the one thing we can't create more of. And so if you want to continue to grow your, your income and grow your impact, then you can't do it all by yourself. And so then what ends up happening is when you do, when you kind of take an inventory of where you're spending your time on a daily and weekly and monthly basis, you'll typically find if you're doing everything yourself, you're spending a lot of time on, on a whole bunch of low value tasks, things that you could get somebody else to do for you for $15, you know, even $50 an hour. And uh, the, the you know, kind of the, the newer, you know, um, consultant or the, or the newer business owner will typically think, well, no, that's an, that's an expense. I don't want to put money into something else because that can be money coming to my pocket and I can do it faster than trying to find somebody and train them. But what they don't actually see is that their value as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur is significantly greater than that $50 an hour. And so right. I'm not a fan of using hourly fees. We typically counsel and, and work with clients to move away from hourly fees. But let's just say that you arrived at the, your current value per hour is $250. Well, if you can pay somebody else $50 an hour for $50 an hour, you can get really, really good people, right? To help you in all kinds of areas. If you can pay that $50 an hour, right? You now are actually, that's an investment, not an expense because every hour that you spend doing that work yourself, you're actually losing $200 an hour. And so when people see that mindset shift of, oh yeah, it's not an expense, it's actually an investment. And the more systems and processes and team that I start bringing in, the more that freedom I'm actually creating. And now that, that kind of increased capacity that I've now created, I can now spend that on going out and bringing in new clients or doing more marketing or sales, or I can spend that developing systems and hiring more people and building team, or I can spend that doing thought leadership, you know, authority building, like writing a book or giving presentations or doing other things that will help the business to grow or developing more IP or developing courses or whatever it might be. So, you know, the time will be different. There's no right time. I think it's important that people just think about where do you want to be? Not now, but, but in the future. Uh, and so one quick example is Jamie is one of our clients. She said to me, you know, very early on, I want to sell my business. Like I want to sell my business, you know, in five or 10 years from now, but I definitely want to exit. And so knowing that right off the bat is, is incredibly helpful because every step 
that, that you then take and the, the whole strategy of how to approach growing her business is going to be very different than if she said, no, no, I have absolutely no intention and I just want to keep this business just me. I don't, I don't want to work with anybody else. Yeah. And so now the focus is on, you know, how do you bring the right people? How do you uh, productize and kind of, you know, add more structure to your offerings and how do you, you know, remove a lot of complexity and make things a lot, a lot more simple because that all these things will, that will increase the value of, of the business while also increasing the amount of freedom that the, that the operator or the owner, I should say, has in the business uh, and allowing to focus your time and energy on the higher value work as opposed to being, uh, you know, kind of pulled down doing a lot of low value work. Yeah, it becomes knowing the end game as early as you can and, uh, and, and working towards that. Actually, that brings me to, so um, goal setting, do you, do you set your own goals that way? Like when you, um, uh, you know, we talk about kind of whole life goals and all that, that fun stuff. I know we were chatting before and you do lots of fitness stuff and, and all of those yep. things with your family. Um, how do you approach goal setting yourself? Like, is it, are you a write down your goal kind of guy or, or how does that work? Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely a, uh, you know, to do list, write down my goals, uh, look at them off. And so typically, you know, at the end of each year or just the first few days, beginning of the year, uh, I will do my annual plan. Uh, and my annual plan um, consists of, you know, life goals. Uh, so this would be like relationships, family, my own men mental health, physical health. Then there's business goals, right? And, and so I, I'll break it down. And, and also other things like, you know, uh, one thing that I said to myself, for example, at the end of last year is I want to spend more time in the nature. And I'm either then want, I either want to, you know, purchase a piece of land somewhere in the nature and, and have like a cabin or whatever, or I'm going to get a boat. Um, and so I just, Society of boat. So that's, that's what I did. Like I want to get more out into the nature. So that was one thing that I, that I did. So it kind of, you know, looks at the total, my, my total life. Uh, I will look at that pretty much every day. And most often when I go to bed, when I'm lying in bed, before I go to sleep, I'll just read through my list. And what's, what's actually funny and interesting, and this is not just a one-time occurrence. I found that doing this list pretty much every single year, everything I put on there becomes true. Um, and I think that there's real value in going back to your your core list on a regular basis because it's even even if it's just in your subconscious or you're more aware of it and so already you know here we are um near the end of march 2021 and i've already ticked off a lot of my annual goals um now i don't know exactly why that is but definitely having you know i say to clients it's like you you need to know what your destination is even if your destination is going to change you need to know where your destination is because if you don't have a clear destination like how do you know what steps to take to move towards it um, and so that destination does not have to be a financial one. I know some people aren't really driven by money. That's totally fine. But find out what is important to you. Write those things down and then work towards them. So that's the first part of what I do. It's the highest level. Mm -hmm. Then the next one is, you know, I use my Google Calendar all the time. So I'm constantly planning. So for example, I'm in the office right now. Before I leave here today, I will have in my Google Calendar and I'll most likely also have in my notebook here uh, the items that I need to tackle tomorrow. So when I come into the office, or even if I don't come to the office for some reason, and I, you know, I can check it from my phone, I know what the priorities are for that day. And I just start working through them and, and tackling them. Um, so that's really how I think about goal setting. And then from a team perspective, uh, every week, we have a team meeting set time set day, uh, where we all each team member submits their talking points in advance. And we work through those talking points, you know, so everyone has the opportunity to talk about stuff, get feedback, see if they need help in areas. And it's kind of like a standing meeting, although right now we're, we're all virtual. Um, and, and that's really, we find that to be also really powerful in maintaining momentum and, and ensuring uh, so that we're all working towards our plan. So just maybe one other quick thing, if it might be of, of interest, which is internally with our company, what we do is um, we look at what are our annual goals, 
-hmm. And then within the annual goals, we then break that down into a monthly basis. Uh, and then we, from there, we break it down, you know, work towards that on, on each week. So we're always get clear on where we, what we want to accomplish over the next quarter and even, you know, to over the next six months, potentially yeah. even 12 months. And then we'll work backwards from that and then get clear on what we need to do now over the next X number of weeks to achieve that quarterly goal. And then we're making sure that we're, we're staying on track. And we, we track all of that with what we call a scorecard so that we actually can see, you know, here's our main metric. Are we, are we hitting them or not? If we see, uh, you know, a big improvement, we want to know why. If we see a big decline for some reason, we also want to know why so we can work towards fixing it. Yeah, like that's, uh, well, and that's the kind of thing you go into um, organizations and, and so many of them don't do that. I mean, cascading goals is, is actually a big gap in a lot of places and uh, sure. um, yeah. it, makes, uh, it makes a huge difference in, in whether you're able to kind of pivot quickly or if you're actually able to achieve the goals you set out at the start of the year. So that's, that's awesome. And I'm sure people will take a lot away from that. One of the, one of the things that we always do, Michael, is that the, uh, towards the end of the interview, we always ask for a couple of actionable things that, and you've had a whole bunch of them through the interview here anyway i'm sure people were jotting stuff down um but it really intrigues me how you look at kind of that simplicity and and um you know of of tactics and and um somebody out there is probably thinking you know when they heard your part about um you know may have tried to tackle everything during covid where you've got you know 15 different things happening at the same time if somebody is sitting back and thinking okay if i really want to focus my business or focus what i'm doing are there a couple of kind of quick things that they could, after they listen to this, go in and tackle or think about what would, what would you suggest those couple of things would be? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll take through a few, if that's all right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Progression. So the first thing that I would do a bit of a, a kind of a model that I always um, talk with clients about is very often, I think in, in business, if you kind of look at a, a triangle, right. Or just draw a triangle in your mind, people often put their, their business at the top of that triangle right? Uh, it's like their business goals, what they want to achieve. And then they put their lifestyle below that, uh, right at the bottom of, of the kind of the base of the triangle. And what they then have to do is they have to make sacrifices within their lifestyle to support their business because their business is above. And what I always yeah. recommend the people do is first rework that. So, you know, on a piece of paper, the exercise would be make a triangle um, or it doesn't have to be a triangle, but you know, at the top, put your lifestyle, yeah. right? And then get very clear, like spend a bit of time thinking about what is, what do you want your life to be like, you know, from a, what, what does success mean to you? What, what kind of relationships do you want to have? What about family? Like just for you as a human being, what would, when you look back, cause you'll never ever talk to somebody who's on deathbed going, Oh, I wish I had more money. Like nobody yeah. says that, right? They say, I wish I would have yep. done these things, try this, been nice to this person got closer to this, whatever it was. So get clear on what your lifestyle, what do you want things to look like? You know, do you want to go for every morning? Do you want to, you know, have a coffee at a certain time? Do you want to make time to read every day? Like what's important to you? Get that, get clear on that and then figure out how you can, uh, make adjustments in your business to support your lifestyle, right? So make sacrifices in your business. Don't make sacrifices in, in your life because your business is there to support your life, not the other way around. So that's number one. Number two, once you've done that, then I would encourage people to, to really, if you want to grow your business, it's important to recognize that the way to, to grow, like growth comes through subtraction, not through addition. A lot of people think that in order to grow, you need to do more things. So, you know, you need that, that book, you need that webinar, you need that funnel, you need that blah, 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 whatever, right? And yeah. so they, they launch a lot of different things. They try a lot of different tools. Uh, they create a lot of different service offerings or product offerings. And there's very few. I mean, I, I really can't think of any examples of very successful who started off, and it's the key, started off by having a ton of different offerings all at once, uh, right? They were very clear about their model. They're very focused on what it was that they were doing. And so when you look at, and there's a really good book on this, uh, it's, it's called, um, I'm just trying to think, 
uh, by Richard Koch. Uh, yeah, it's called Simplify. Uh, and so he talks about, he actually looks at many different organizations, very well-known brands of how they, act, how they created a level of growth that they've achieved. And it's all through simplification. So it's yeah. not about addition. It's about subtraction and simplification. Uh, and so if you want to grow, recognize that the way to go is typically by doing less, not doing more. And so a really good exercise to support this is what we kind of call it taking the inventory, right? It's looking at what are all the different things that you're doing right now and get clear on what's working, what isn't. And you can do this, for example, at the client level, right? So if you have clients, look at what, who are your most profitable clients? Who are the clients that suck your time and suck your energy, right? Get rid of those ones, right? Get clear on the characteristics and criteria of the most successful clients and try and find more of those, right? You can do that at the project level, which projects are more or product or even products, right? Which are most uh, profitable, which do you enjoy most, right? You can then do it, you know, even parts of the project. You can do it in terms of your activities, where you're spending your time. And so the idea is to start getting very clear about where are you energized? Where are you really in your zone? Where are you creating the most profit? Where are you creating, you know, the most kind of success and excitement and, and happiness and fulfillment and lean more into doing those things. But at the same time, subtract and remove and eliminate the things that are essentially waste that are holding you down. And when you do that, not only will you typically find that you are happier because you're doing more of the things that you like, you'll also feel like you are significantly more free because now you have more capacity, more time to think, more time to, to spend on the things that you truly do enjoy. And this is not some new concept. I mean, if you go and you look at a lot of, um, you know, really successful operators. So for example, like M&A, you know, uh, mergers and acquisition types of like, you know, private equity firms, one of the first things that they'll do is they'll, they'll look at an organization and they'll go in and they'll, they'll just run some reports to see where's our profitability coming from. Oh yeah, we have, you know, these three products that are driving 75% of our, our profitability. Let's yeah. cut the other hundred, you know, products. We don't need those. They're not adding anything. And now instantly they've made that, that company significantly more valuable, right? Because yeah. it's now going to be more profitable. And now they can just focus on supporting those products or those services that are already working, which will essentially help them to make them, you know, uh, grow more. And so that's what I would encourage a lot of business owners and in whatever industry or whatever uh, what kind of line of work you're in is get clear on what's working and what you enjoy and do more of that. But start off by getting clear on your lifestyle and what's meaningful for you and then figure out how you can structure your business to really support that. Yeah, that I mean that that is gold. What you've you've thrown out there, that's awesome. I, I think, um, especially the the mergers and acquisitions piece is, is really a, an interesting thing. If uh, um, because I, I mean that can be scary to a lot of people thinking, oh, uh, an equity firm. But reality is, is is you can take the same approach that they would, and it also means that you're probably building something not only in a way that uh, short term is it makes sense, um, but you're doing it in a way. If if your thought is if you do want to sell something at some point, that's what an investor is going to want to look at too. So. Um, um, so some great stuff to, to think about, regardless of your background as well. Um, you know, so I, I know you've got lots of stuff going on right now, Michael, yourself. What are some of the best ways if, if listeners are wanting to kind of connect in with you and, and, and also your new book? You know, uh, what are some of the best ways to do that? Yeah, uh, so consultingsuccess.com is kind of home to everything. Um, we have the, I host the Consulting Success podcast yep. uh, where we feature a lot of successful consultants from all around the world. Uh, and yeah, we have, a, there's a bunch of free resources there. We have also some training programs and coaching programs. Um, the new book future of consulting is coming out on April 6th. Uh, and we're going to be giving away free, uh, copies, the digital ver digital version of that for the first, uh, seven to 10 days or so of that. So, um, people can head on over to future of consulting book, 
.com, so that's futureofconsultingbook.com uh, if you want to get a free copy of that book. Uh, but yeah, you're welcome to check out all the other books and everything else. Again, there's lots of uh, free resources there, uh, regardless of whether you are brand new to consulting or considering becoming a consultant, uh, or you've been in the, in the consulting world for you know a decade or more and just looking to, to sharpen up on some best practices, uh, we have something there for you. Great. Um, and we'll make sure that those are in the show notes for everybody as well. So that that way uh, you can uh, check in on, on all that great work. And I will tell you that uh, if you haven't listened to uh, his podcast, we'll put that link on there too. It's great. Um, lots of great guests as well. But um, if you haven't hit subscribe right now um, on whatever platform you're either listening or watching on, make sure that you do that. Um, we have great guests every week, just like Michael and uh, lots of great takeaways. So, um, so definitely make sure that you hit that button. Um, again, thank you very much for taking the time, Michael. This has been great. And I know there's lots of uh, real actionable items that, that come out of that. And that's something that, uh, that we really strive to do. So, so thanks for providing that for us. Yeah, Damien, great being with you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And we will talk again, everybody on Big Idea, Big Moves. 